Welcome to Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta Zone, Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, a five-episode unique series exploring God-filled life experiences with parishioners. Brought to you in part by the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia and moderated by Father Michael Silloway on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome, everyone. I'm Father Michael Silloway, and you are listening to Peace and All Good with Archbishop Hartmeyer. We are blessed to be offering another episode today with another interview from an incredible member of the Catholic Church here in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Welcome, Archbishop. Welcome to Henry. We'll introduce you here in just a second. Friends, we have an incredible topic today. We're talking about the gospel imperative that Jesus Christ gives us. We hear about in Matthew 25, where our Lord says that the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Today, we are blessed to have in studio Mr. Henry Lamb, who has dedicated his life to serving the poor, feeding the homeless. But before we dive into the good meat of today's episode, Archbishop, would you kindly lead us in an opening prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Almighty God and Father, it is upon you that we rely on receiving the things that we need to to live uh, and, and to come to know the needs of others and learn what it means to share. Uh, help us become more and more mindful of those that are outside uh, the peripheral of our of our eyesight uh, to see those who are really suffering and who need some of the basic needs of of life, especially food, something so simple as food. Uh, many people are without. And so help us be your instrument to help help us feed the poor, just as you did in in your time and as you preached, uh, you fed the multitude. Um, we are also called to feed and to take care of those who are less fortunate. So, Lord, just give us that, that mindset, that spirit, that desire, that drive, that mission, that challenge of feeding the poor and uh, without judgment. Uh, and so we ask you to bless our time today as we talk about uh, taking care of those who are most in need in our community. Uh, we ask this prayer through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop. And friends, as I mentioned, we are blessed to have a, a very special guest in studio today. His name is Mr. Henry Lamb. He's a former businessman who worked in the jewelry and diamond wholesale retail business, also owning some nail salons here in the state of Georgia. He grew up in a Buddhist family, but really didn't have any particular faith, but his objective was to be successful, to make a profit. And uh, the unfolding of events in his life uh, led to a very drastic turn where the Lord broke in in a tremendous way. And we're going to get to that beautiful story. And uh, he now dedicates himself to the feeding of the poor in Atlanta, going to the homeless and bringing meals that he and his group I believe the I Believe Foundation have prepared. So want to welcome you, Henry Lamb, to studio today, and we can't wait for you to be able to share your story with the Archbishop. Thanks so much, Father Michael. Good morning, Henry, and uh, it is good to meet you. Um, and I'm very interested in um, your story and what you do and why you do it. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the people that you 
feel called to help? So our um, our mission every day, we feed the homeless. Um, so we reach people who are most isolated. Um, they're living in abandoned buildings, burnt down churches. They're living in the woods behind shopping centers. They're in the back of your neighborhood where you shop at Walmart um, in the irrigation ditches. And so a lot of times you don't realize that they're there, um, but they're there. And um, that gentleman you see standing on the street corner at the gas station, he lives somewhere very close to there. Um, and so we reach uh, the people away from the city. There's a lot of organizations there in the city helping people in downtown Atlanta. And so we try to reach the people that are um, in, in real need and away from resources. We're at about uh, five to 600 meals per day. Uh, we do it six days a week, uh, excluding Sunday. Uh, we cover 12 cities a day. So we go from Swanee, Georgia, all the way down to East Atlanta. It's actually myself and my brother, Joseph, um, that deliver the meals. Each day it runs about six to seven hours to cook the meals, and it takes a minimum of about eight to ten hours to drop off the meals. Henry, tell me about the people that help you. Where, where, where do you get the help to do what you do? Uh, it's uh, God's people. I mean, when we were um, cooking there at Holy Martyrs Church, Father Francis, he literally had an army of people for us, and uh, so so many people that follow the Lord there. And so uh, any given week, maybe 60, 70 volunteers, team members there. I just want to jump in and highlight that that's how we found out about you in the first place. Yeah. Was that one of our seminarians was either on a pastoral year or his summer assignment was there. And he had told me that he couldn't come and join my pastoral year guy because... Um, you talking he, about Nicholas? Yes. Okay. And he was doing... Um, he was participating in that ministry, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to be gone all day. I just, I, we're, we're doing this. We're feeding the homeless. And I'm like, that sounds like an incredible project. So as we were talking about and brainstorming guests, like that's how we how your name came to the forefront was through your work at Holy Vietnamese. Yeah, Park. so initially we cooked at the house, and then Father Francis at Holy Martyrs found out what we were doing, and he just he kept insisting for us to come up to the church and cook. Um, and that was COVID. Uh, by that time, COVID had happened, and no one was using the kitchen. He's like, come up here and cook. Come up here and cook. So it was a blessing to go up there because uh, because of the help of, of Father Francis there. We we had many chefs every day week, every day that we'd be a different chef, right? And um, so it freed up a lot of our time so that we could do more things like take people to work and, and whatnot. So it was a blessing. Yeah. What type of food uh do, oh, you, do you prepare our foods? We're, 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 we're real. Uh, we're always excited about what we cook because we take whatever resources that we have. Now, when we were cooking at Holy Martyrs, we actually purchased everything initially. Right. We didn't have uh, the connections with other organizations uh, that we have now, like St. Vincent de Paul and, and different different organizations. So um, we. Um, we would make gourmet meals. We would make uh, Japanese-style hibachi fried rice. Mm. We would make uh, homemade spaghetti, uh, you know, with ground beef and uh, all the oregano and the Parmesan cheese. And uh, we would do um, creative dishes like a barbecue pasta that we had no idea how to make. We would just pray about it, and we'd say, okay, this is what we got, Lord, and we just need to create something from what we've got. And so... Um, all of our meals, we, we put a lot of love into it. Um, sometimes even when we're cooking, we, we don't think it came out the way we want it, but we get the response from people when they eat it. And so, 
um, they love it. So we know that we put a lot of prayers and love into it. And so, however, it really ended up. <laughs> yeah, that's not your typical ham and cheese sandwich. Yeah, kind of deal. no, no. We got desserts um, also. Um, an organization called Cafe Intermezzo. Uh, Paige Olson's the founder over there. They donate um, the cakes to us. Mm -hmm. And so previous to that, it was um, the cakes were wasted, the cake tops. Yeah. So um, it sounds like you you provide very nourishing and, and warm food to the people that you come across and that are, are in need of food. How do you get the resources to pay for the food? When, when we first started, uh, we took all of our money, everything that we had left, and we just went grocery shopping. We went to Walmart, all these. We went to Restaurant Depot. Um, so everything, we, we bled through money very quickly. Um, when we got to Holy Martyrs, Father Francis assisted us with what he could. Um, and so that helped quite a bit. And then the Lord just connected us with an abundance of resources. So we not only cook these meals, but we redistribute to other nonprofits and other church organizations that are doing God's work. And so it's just been the Lord has been been doing it for us. And what time of day do you do you find yourself serving the meals? Is there is there a, a specific time that you go out and 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 serve the meals that you've prepared? I wouldn't say specific time because our days get a little bit crazy. It's six or seven hours to cook in the kitchen with cleanup. Uh, and that's also we have to pick up supplies all around town during the day also. So sometimes if we leave early, I think the earliest we get home be midnight. Uh, but usually previously we wouldn't leave till 5 or 6 p.m. So it was 3 or 4, sometimes even 6 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Wow. And the only reason we're able to do it like that is because – we know everyone out there. We know exactly where they sleep, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and we, we have that relationship with them, that, that trust with them. And so we're able to go to their little uh, encampment or their little cubby where they're sleeping and just leave the plate there for them next to them while they're sleeping even. So. And what do you do, uh, Henry, to support yourself and your family? I don't, uh, Archbishop. I had to make my, my wife went back to work. Okay. She never worked before. You know, it's uh, it was a sacrifice, and a lot of people frowned upon it um, and, and looked at it as if uh, I wasn't taking care of my family and I wasn't living up to my obligations. But um, and I had many opportunities that uh, job offers and different things, and um, I just um, the the spirit's been guiding me, and this is what I've been led to do. And uh, my wife is uh, completely on board with it. Um, she doesn't see me very much. My kids don't see me very much, but you know, I know our Lord in heaven is looking after that part of it. So, how old are your two kids? Eighteen and fifteen. So they're old enough to help you. Yeah, yeah. Especially during the summer months. Absolutely. Do they do that? They did, especially when we cooked at the house. Uh -huh. So when we cooked at the house, we got up to about three hundred meals a day, yeah. um, and they were there. So. It was easy, and now they're older. They're, they're they they help here and then, but not as much. So. Can we just pause and appreciate for a second? Three hundred meals, in that's one day. Yeah, we uh, we had in four, your house. Yeah, I mean it was chaotic, and my wife wasn't happy because I never could clean the kitchen as, <laughs> as the way she wanted me to, and she's very meticulous about that. But just to think but. about when people cook for a party, they're they're having friends over. And they're cooking for maybe 10 people. And it's just like the amount of work that goes into that. You're cooking 10 meals times 30. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every yeah. day. 
And we say we're off on Sunday, but we're still doing God's work on Sunday because that's a day that we um, we might be uh, we have during the week we have jobs for the homeless also, but especially on Sunday, there's you know a lot of things that we still have to do: take people to work and pick up supplies and and, and drop off. And uh, for instance, we have Ashley; she's just had a baby girl, and she um, her 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 boyfriend went to prison a few months ago and he was the provider so he went to work to help take care of her um so it's been maybe a week now she had the baby over at north side um and so um we've got we brought her baby clothes and a baby seat and all that all the stuff that she would need you know and it was from help from other organizations who are also doing god's work we just kind of put the word out and within 24 hours we had everything we needed, so we visited her there at the hospital. Now she's back home, and then now organizations have helped to also keep her there. For we, we know we're at least two weeks out before she's gonna be out on the streets. So this is you know we're working very rapidly to get some type of housing assistance. It's a difficult process. Every this journey is very uh, runs runs a lot of trials and tribulations, but. Um, it's it's a blessing, Henry. I just want to talk to you a little bit more about the people that help you, uh, the volunteers. Um, do you find that during the summer months uh, or weekends that the the youth are are willing to, you know, to help with the work that you do in your organization? Uh, do you find retired people uh, helping you? Uh, this is all about living our Christianity, living our gospel. Uh, about feeding the poor uh, and feeding the hungry, which is what Jesus told us to do. Um, do you find a lot of different ages and people willing to do it if you just simply give them an invitation to do it? It's probably not that simple, Archbishop. Um, we have, like, for instance, uh, uh, the Focalera group um, here in Atlanta, um, Fernanda and Saba and Alberto and Nick and them, um, they come to help us also. They've been um, uh, very supportive of what we do. We've had some young kids. A lot of the kids have service hours to do for school, uh, so we've had that come. But a lot of the, uh, actually the 50-plus age um, or retired, um, we do have a lot of uh, volunteers in that, in that, um, in that category. And that's great that you provide an opportunity for people to, to, to live the gospel and to put their faith into action, uh, which is what, you know, what we all try to do uh, in helping others. Um, tell me a little bit about the name of the organization, the I Believe EYE. Why the EYE? I just, uh, I, um, the Lord had, uh, had saved me, and I just had visions uh Every day I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and I have these visions, and uh, this was a part of of the vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's something that you see, something that you saw with your own eyes, or that you saw while you were dreaming, or yes, something that you saw that other people didn't see, and you saw a way to address it and to do something about it, and that's how perhaps uh, it got its name and. And uh, the kind of organization that you now have. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Good for you. Good for you. You had hinted at some other things that the I Believe Foundation does other than providing food. Would you speak to us a little bit about that, some of those other things that you guys do for the, the homeless and the poor? Yeah, we, we would basically do what anything you would do for your own brother or sister or your own mother or father that would need assistance. 
because um, they are our brothers and sisters out there. So we would handle identity issues, uh, driver's license, state ID, uh, birth certificates, social security cards. We'd also handle social services like uh, uh, social security, SSI, SSDI. Um, and then on top of that, we, um, when COVID happened, uh, the homeless, most of the homeless didn't get stimulus checks and they needed certain things to be able to get that. One, they need to file their taxes. Two, they need an address. So we've got hundreds of people's mails coming to our home address um, where we've done that for them. So in that, uh, in this three-year time frame here since the, uh, the three stimulus checks have come out, we've gotten, I would say, north of a million dollars now so far for the homeless. And that came with its own struggles, and, and uh, we can... We can talk about that later if you want to talk about that, but that's a story in itself, yeah. yeah but to make it short, um, we, we, um, we help the homeless um, with, with um, their, because they, a lot of them didn't have ID, so we would assist them with their stimulus checks, getting it and also cashing it for them so they had money to live in motels or, or to take care of themselves. Uh, but the banks locked our accounts um, after a million dollars was done. And so for 10 months, we, um, um, all of our savings, all of our, our, our kids' college funds, all of our checking savings, eight accounts locked mm. just abruptly. Wow. And that was um, um, just woke up one morning, all the money's gone. Couldn't access it anymore. Couldn't pay your bills. And all our checks bounced, the mortgage bounced, everything bounced. Mm. Were you able to get that straightened away? No, it took 10 months, Father. Really? <laughs> took 10 months. Um, and finally, yes, they just, out of the blue, decided to return all the money. Hmm. Yeah. So we weren't concerned. Um, I wasn't concerned. My wife was either yelling or crying, <laughs> one or the other. Well, those are, those are scary times, and they're very frustrating times when you deal with organizations or bureaucracies that oversee some of these uh, sources of, of assistance. So those are things that oftentimes are a part of the process. Uh, all you want to do is feed the hungry, and, and there's all these other hoops that they want you to jump through. Absolutely. Have you run across other people who are doing the same thing? I have. There's a lot of people out there doing God's work. Um, everyone kind of has a little bit of a different um, twist to, to what they do. A lot of them do food distributions at churches uh, once a week. Um, some organizations do things uh, once every few months. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of love out there. Um, St. Vincent Paul has been a, a big support for us. And uh, when I'm out feeding the homeless, for instance, and um, I come across them and they're staying at an extended stay motel, um, I always talk to them to see how they got there, who's helping them or, or, or what, what it is. And so uh, a lot of times we are delivering food to the extended stays because the homeless go there. But St. Vincent, Vincent de Paul has always come up has always come up, even for Ashley with a newborn baby. St. Mm -hmm. Vincent stepped in and helped yeah. also. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a blessing. So are you encouraged to see uh, so many people doing what you're doing, or are, are you kind of finding out where people might be neglected and, and, and overlooked because, you know, you don't always know where people are living and, and who's serving them? I mean, is is there someone overlooking all of this? I always tell everyone, you know, we, we feed people, we do all these social services, we do housing, we do job placement, all these different things, but it's not the food, 
It's not the housing. It's not the jobs. We're, we're there to, to share the light of Christ with people. And it's through that faith and through that love that, that, that the people feel that something then happens to them. They know that someone cares and truly loves them. And there's a difference. It's, 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 so it's really not about all these things that we do. Those are just tools that we do to kind of bring it to light. Um, it's the works of the Lord. But the, the true work is that we as individuals need to care and love about someone who's dirty and, and, and hasn't showered in a month and who may be addicted to drugs, who may be smoking crack or doing heroin or doing different things, that they are God's children and we need to love them to help them. What about your own uh, safety for your the people that assist you in delivering the food or serving the food, younger younger teens uh, who might also be a part of that. Do you ever feel that you're going in an area where there's uh, an issue of safety or, or uh, a level of mental illness that might get out of control and, and uh, you know, disrupt what you're doing? And, and Absolutely. Um, we, um, we come across um, gunfire, fights, uh, knives. Uh, a lot of times people are smoking crystal meth. It, they've been, when they start smoking that, it takes, they can stay up for days and days and days at a time. And once they get past seventh, the seventh day, they start becoming delusional and start seeing things. So you see a lot of crazy things in the streets. And so we have taken some volunteers with us on our journey, but we have chaperoned. We have, you know, they sit in the car and um, to make sure that they're safe. So Joseph and I are really the two main ones that deliver the food. But when Joseph started delivering with me initially, I had to uh, kind of show him how to look at people because you look at their pupils, you look at the way they're acting. Uh, if they're sleeping on the ground, you don't startle them because most of them have knives. They're afraid to get, they get robbed and, and abused out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a very dangerous situation. Um, another, just a friend of ours, another nonprofit organization, they used to have 44 members, I think. And then one day, one of their volunteers got shot. So these things happen and you've got to, um, uh, be on your guard and to know, uh, if you're going to do this, head down this path of work with the Lord. Now in the kitchen, there's nothing dangerous there except no. for maybe the ovens, but I got lots of burns on my arms from that. But, yeah. 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 The social agencies that that are designed to help people who are uh, unemployed or uh, underemployed that need food assistance, food stamps, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, rather, are you able to point them in the right direction where they could get some of the assistance that is available to them? We do. We do get uh, food stamp cards for people, um, and we we tend to do it ourselves. I mean, that sounds probably kind of kind of crazy with all the things that we're doing, but we just take care of each individual as if it was our brother and sister, and we can't take care of everybody at once. The problem with being on the streets is that you have to have a phone. You have to have some form of transportation if you need to get somewhere to get something done, like to get your ID, right? Um, And the phone is another problem because to call these organizations, you've got to have power. And to have power, you need to plug up somewhere. To plug up somewhere, you've got to be able to be somewhere where they're going to let you sit there and use their power. And I've seen over the years doing this where the organization will cut off the power 
because they're trying to get rid of the homeless. If there were table outside, they'll get rid of the tables. You know, and I understand they're trying to run a business, um, but it's very difficult when you've been living out in the streets, when you, uh, all your things have been stolen or they've been destroyed through inclement weather, to be able to get back on your feet with no money, no resources. And a lot of them initially, nobody wants to be out there with with exception of a few that, um, and uh, usually those are veterans who've been through war. It's like nothing for them to stay outside. So they have the experience and the skill set to be out there. But most don't want to be out there. You had mentioned uh, at one point about that you oftentimes know where to go because you, you've established relationships with people and you know that this particular person is by this overpass or this person is in this encampment. But would you maybe be able to share with us one powerful moment of relationship? Maybe something ended up better than you thought it would be in these relationships with the people that you see regularly. Uh, you know, Father, it, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So some of the people that we didn't do anything for, God did for them. Their life changed, and they credited us, and we always tell them, it's not us, it's him, because we didn't do anything. We just brought you food. I've got lots of stories like this. It's just been a blessing that, well, to see what, what you do is it, truth. All glory belongs to the Lord, and he's the one who inspires the good in us. But through your concrete action, you're showing these people their dignity and affirming their dignity in them. And so when we come back, brothers and sisters, for part two um, of Peace and All Good with Archbishop Hartmeyer today and our guest, Henry Lamb, we really want to dive into how the Lord brought you to this place of conviction that this is what you're supposed to dedicate your life to. And it's an amazing story and can't wait for you all to hear it. So stay tuned with us. We'll come back after the break. Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer will continue on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Thanks to the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia for a grant supporting this program. They work with Catholics to make a real difference in our Catholic community to support their individual causes. The Catholic Foundation is a partner of parishes, schools, ministries, and nonprofits in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio, with programming rooted in the teachings of the Catholic Church, helps listeners, both Catholic and non-Catholic, learn more about our faith. People get a lot out of The Quest. It's just a faith builder, and it makes faith not something that is stiff. It makes it real. And also because I can uh, access it from just about anywhere, so from my mobile device, from a web browser, or even the app. I um, love so many things about the Quest. The time with Father Jim Blount really is a powerful time. He has such a connection, and his words and his advice are wonderful and really things that you can put into practice very easily. None of this would be possible without the support of listeners like you because we are a 100% listener-supported station. We have expenses that need to be covered to keep the Quest on the air, so your donation of any amount helps to bring people closer to Christ. You can donate from the Quest Atlanta app or at thequestatlanta.com. Please join us in a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. I'm Tony Rossi. 
When Father James Keller founded the Christophers in 1945, he chose as our prayer the beautiful words attributed to Francis of Assisi. I'd like to share them with you now. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Christophers. Thanks for listening, and remember that it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Fundamentalists claim baptism by immersion is the only true baptism, because the Greek word baptizo found in the New Testament means to immerse. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, although baptizo is used for immersion, it can also be used for wash up, as it's used in Luke 11.38 in reference to the Jewish ritual washings. Second, we agree with our fundamentalist friends that full immersion best expresses the meaning of the sacrament. The Catechism of the Catholic Church makes this clear in paragraph 1239. But that doesn't mean non-immersion baptisms are invalid. In fact, the Didache, a first century Christian catechism dating to around AD 70, gives instruction on how to baptize, stating pour over the head three times. So if you weren't dunked, no need to fret. Immersion baptism is not necessary for a valid baptism. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Walking with Moms in Need is an initiative helping pregnant and parenting women in need get involved in supporting babies, moms, and moms-to-be. Learn how you can help Walking with Moms in Need. Go to walkingwithmoms.com. I'm Julie from St. Anne's Parish of Marietta. This is AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Peace and all good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, moderated by Father Michael Silloway, continues now on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. We're here with our special guest today, Mr. Henry Lamb, who's been sharing with us about this mission that has been in his life to feed the hungry, to go out to the homeless of the metro Atlanta area and provide for their needs, all kinds of beautiful things that his ministry, um, I believe, Foundation has been doing. So as we come back here, we want to we be able to give you an opportunity, Henry, to share how you got to this point. What did the Lord do in you? What was your life like? And I want to hand it back over to the Archbishop to, to dive into the beautiful details of your story. Henry, it's been wonderful to hear of all the work that you do and the people that you have influenced to help you and all the good work that has uh, resulted uh, in you simply doing what you feel the Lord is calling you to do. Um, what I would like to ask you is a little bit of the backstory uh, of your life as to how did you get to where you are? What what happened in your life um, that caused you to, 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 to change course? Um, you are a successful businessman, you, ha you have a wife, you have two children, so you have other obligations and, and, and responsibilities. Um, how are you juggling all this, and, and how did you become the person you are today and with the focus that you have now? 
Uh, I wasn't Catholic, but just recently became Catholic a few years ago. Um, my parents were Buddhist. Um, I never, um, I never believed in Buddhism, or but I really never believed in anything. Um, only thing I believed was in myself. And uh, in my previous life, I lived for money. Um, so, like you said, I was in the uh, wholesale, retail, and jewelry industry. Um, make a long story short, um, I had an armed robbery May first, two thousand twelve. Um, right after that, three months later, a Ponzi scheme out of Sandy Springs took me um, for the rest of my money. Um, at that time, it wasn't the money that killed me. It was um, couldn't buy insurance anymore, so we had to close everything down. Um, and uh, immediately after that, I, I went and bought a coffee shop, um, opened an office in Buckhead, still had one jewelry store left, uh, a different jewelry store out of those ones. Um, and... Uh, I slowly slid into a deep depression. Uh, it wasn't that overnight thing. It took years. Um, it took um, every day chasing that money to get back what I had lost. Um, and uh, I, I believe that was everything. My my wife was Catholic. My kids went to Catholic school. Um, at that time, I was uh, I was married 16 years. I think I never stepped foot in. The Holy Martyrs Church, for instance, um, and um, I just uh, I didn't believe in God. I was pretty much against God. Um, every other word out of my mouth was the GD word or um, cursing Him, and um, I just didn't believe in any of it. And um, I hated myself every day. And then uh, March 19, 2019, uh, attempted suicide. Um, at that time. Um, my hair was long. Um, I was I was in such a sick and depressed state. Uh, my teeth were rotted. I wouldn't shower. I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't sleep. Um, uh, it, it, it just, um, my life had just, uh, in my eyes, I, 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 I hated myself. And I just didn't want to be on this earth anymore. Um, and that day that I tried to kill myself, I met the Lord. And in that one second, I can remember I was screaming and yelling. I was upstairs in the entertainment room on my hands and my knees. I wasn't praying to the Lord, but I was screaming and I was yelling. Actually, I didn't know what I was doing, but somehow he heard me. And I I guess I was talking to him previously in those year, two years before, but I didn't realize I was talking to him. But I was asking for help. You know, the depression led me to drugs. I was highly addicted to drugs to the point where my, my body was addicted to it. I was doing like a thousand dollars a day in, in, in drugs, uh, just a crazy amount. It was, um, just a very dark, dark point in my life. I tried to kill myself with drugs. I couldn't even kill myself right with drugs. Um, but that day I met him and in that one second I knew him and I didn't know it from going to church because I never went to church. I went to church with my wife once a year, Easter or Christmas, because she forced me to. Um, never read scripture in my life. Um, I just, I didn't have a background in the church. But in that one second, I knew him. And uh, it changed everything. It was like a light switch. So much love, so much love that it was electrifying. I could feel every cell in my body. And it was uh, just a, uh, not a love that your mother or father or your wife or your kids could give you. Just this overwhelming, and 
intense, so powerful love, that tears of ecstasy just pouring down from my eyes. And ever since then, I knew him. And uh, from that point forward, that's what changed my life. I, I no longer work. Um, I've given up my life to work for him. I've become a living sacrifice, as Scripture would say. And that's how I started doing what I do. Um, it, it, it's it's uh, people who knew me in the past, they look at me, even my own family members, even my own mother-in-law, they, just, they, they don't know what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And the Lord happened. And uh, the Holy Spirit's been with me ever since, and I've been just following his guidance. During that time of transition where you really felt that the Lord had kind of taken you uh, and and walked with you and and embraced you. Um, were you also seeking uh, any uh, medical help or psychological help to to help you during this time of transition of from dependency on drugs and and things that were really hurting hurting you to coming to know him in a in a in a better way? Was was it simply a, a, a switch that went on, like you said, or or was there some progression? of other assistance that you received that brought you to this point. It's funny that you asked that because it doesn't even make sense what happened to me. Um, so for years, the last four or five years, I was on drugs to at, an, at a level that I'm, I'm, I've never seen even the, the homeless that I deal with now. I was 10 times worse than anybody I've seen on the streets. That's how bad it was. And the Lord in that one second, he changed everything. It, uh, I was on heroin. I was on crack. I was on cocaine. I did crystal meth when I couldn't get any, couldn't get w- what I needed. And in that one second, he just completely rehabilitated me. And ever since then, he's been training me it, it, in the sense that um, spiritually, he's been building me for whatever's to come. But uh, initially, I couldn't drive down certain roads. He wouldn't let me go that way because. Those are the routes I used to go to pick up my, for my addiction. Yes, it, it, the Lord, I didn't go to any rehab. I didn't go to any doctors. Um, the Lord just saved me, and he's been mm. guiding me ever since. And that's how that's how I ended up doing it. It's really, there's a whole lot more to that. Um, so kind of like, like a, a, sounds like a St. Paul kind of moment. Of yeah, my, my saint in. is St. Paul, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that's the thing I was, we were talking about earlier is that, I, don't, I didn't know scripture. I didn't know the Lord. But that second I knew, and now that I do read scripture every single day, it's like he's already, whatever I'm reading the word, it's, he's already told me these things. And that's all, by myself and Joseph, that's all we do is um, we, um, we, we, we look for the homeless like we're looking for Jesus yeah. every day, seeking him. And when you had that dramatic conversion, um, you then also uh, sought some uh, instructional uh, assistance in trying to understand the Catholic Church or the Christian Church. Yeah, he he told me to go to the Catholic Church. He told you, and and you did. guided me, yes. So March 19, 2019, I was going to take my own life, kill myself, met the Lord. And July 25th, he sent me to Holy Martyrs Church. And it wasn't to join the RCA over there. It was to join this marriage ministry, oh, something yeah. I never do in my life. Yeah. I would never join a marriage ministry because that's where you open up. You yeah. tell people about yourself, your fault, all the, uh, you couldn't pay me to go. And so the spirit just, you know, sent me there. So I went 
And then immediately after that, I joined the RCIA program at St. John Newman Parish. Um, and so that was August. And so we went through the whole program. And uh, I think COVID happened. So Easter, we didn't have the uh, confirmation at Easter. It was, uh, I think, in June it ended yeah. up being. So, yeah, he, he, he the, the Lord's got me doing things that, uh, that are out of, uh, like, my whoever I was is gone. Yeah. He died, and now there's somebody new here because I'm doing all the things that I would not do. So it's 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 stood the test of time. I mean, this wasn't an, an emotional moment that, you know, you you for a very short time you you turned around, but you have been like this in, in, in the way you are, embracing the church, uh, doing the work of the gospel, uh, having a spiritual life yourself sharing some thoughts with others that you would never share before, um, being the father that you needed to be. Uh, all this has happened over a period of time. And so you, you really developed into a, a, a new person, a, a rebirth. Yes. Uh, it wasn't uh, an instant. Yes. But it, it took some time and effort on your part because you could have backed out at any time. What yeah. is it that kept you going? The Lord just keeps me going i mean it's just some of this i used to think about things and now it's i've just surrendered to him and so when he tells me and he doesn't tell me like i don't hear a voice but i just know that this is what he's telling me to do and i don't think i just do it yeah, yeah. It, it's a very uh, it's very out of my character everything i used to do like for instance this interview i would have said okay what are we going to talk about? Let's prep for this. Let me think about it. How am I going to say this? But no, I just don't, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. And even the whole organization of I Believe Foundation and what we do, it's all backwards. We, we, we just went and did the work first. We didn't apply for grants, 501c3. We didn't do all the legwork that at being in business that mm. you know to do these things first brand yourself, market yourself, put your name out there, put yourself on YouTube, put yourself out on the World Wide Web. He didn't want me to do that. He wanted me to suffer because in my suffering, he's teaching me. And in that suffering, it no longer becomes a suffering. It's a rejoice. It's a, it's a, I thank him every day because now I have nothing. And in, in, in this, on this reality, if you look at me on paper to society, I, I have nothing meaning I have no monetary value. I have nothing, but I have everything. And that's all I need. I have the Lord. That's all I need. And it's, it's been a blessing. Yeah. And Christ did not ask you to do anything that he would not do himself. Right. And you saw yourself imitating him in what he asked the apostles to do in the early church. Uh, and and you, you were just drawn to it, uh, even though you were crawling up from the the depths of of darkness yes uh you reached for the light and it was there and and it's been the light of the holy spirit has been in you since then continues to guide you direct you uh without a lot of explanation without a lot of perhaps even forethought if if it needs to be done you're willing to do it because it's the work of the church that's right yeah and it's, it's such a blessing to be able to do it and there's something fascinating too, almost poetic. Something I love about the way that the Lord frequently works. When you look at like the narrative arc of Scripture, how everything all comes together. But how being in the jewelry industry, and I'm sure you dealt some with diamonds. 
absolutely. And I'm no chemist or, or a geologist or whatnot, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I understand the way diamonds come into existence is when carbon is under extreme heat yes. and extreme pressure. Yes, 100 miles beneath the Earth's surface. But it's And it's only in those conditions that the diamond is produced. And it's, it's unfathomable forces that are at work to create that diamond and how, like, bringing you through the darkness and the despair, the frustration, the brokenness, the emptiness, the, the, the loss of trajectory, that was you as a lump of carbon, you know, being crushed, being crushed. And the Lord was like, I'm not done with this. Like, the, you're on none, none of the sadness, none of the suffering is meant to just be pointless. None of it's for nobody. For nobody is suffering meant to be pointless. But the Lord handed over to him. He can make something out of it. Like uh, even your, your patron, you said St. Paul is your patron. Uh, I can't remember the, the exact citation, but he says uh, in the letter to the Romans that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. All things. Just by, and the encounter of love with him, he, he's turning carbon into diamonds and through the, the lives of real people. And it's, it's through that experience, going through that pain and finding him at the bottom of it. That's that's where where glory can then come forth, where new life comes forth in that rebirth. So I just think it's, it's beautifully poetic that from the the jewelry business and diamond industry and everything, the Lord's like, through what is going to crush you, watch what we can do, watch what we can do. Absolutely, Henry. It seems to me that you know you're not just doing social work. You're not just feeding people who are hungry. Uh, you're not just taking care of people who need to be taken care of because the need is there. You're doing it for a higher reason. There's a, there's a spiritual level at which you are also being motivated. And and that motivation is your faith. Your faith is, is, is teaching you. Your faith is challenging you to live it out, to not just profess it on a Sunday at Mass, but you're doing it. You're living it. Absolutely. And, and, and that's what's driving you, at least from what I'm understanding, it's not just to feed the poor because there's somebody hungry and you have food to give. You're doing it because Christ asked you to do it and asks all of us to do it. And that is your motivation. That's why you're successful. That's why you're at peace with yourself. It's no longer all about you. It's about those who need you. Uh, yeah, Archbishop, it's, um, you know, uh, we encounter a lot of things when we're out there in the streets. And so... Um, some of the bad things uh, you look at it as a bad thing, but some people we give them food and they take it and throw it back in our faces. Right? right? They'll curse us out, yeah. ungrateful, unthankful. But you know the Lord tells us to love those people. Mm-hmm. And um, when we first started out, it wasn't an easy thing. Myself and Joseph, you know, um, but we just went back to Scripture, the Word of the Lord, and said, let's just. Do what the Lord says. Let's do what he tells us to do. Love these people. Tomorrow we're going to go look for them again, especially the ones that treated us poorly and, and, and cursed at us and all this. Uh, you're giving us poison. You know, there, there are all kinds of things that they'll say that make you feel something, that emotional feeling inside. So we made it a point to seek these people out every day, especially if they were nasty to us. They were the ones we sought out. For sure, we were going to find this person. And the same thing would happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Again and again it happened. By the seventh time, they loved us. And so it's just um, you, we can't give up on people, especially the ones addicted to, to drugs. It's that because I myself have been there. I know what it feels like to hate yourself. Um, it's different when you're 
at a weekend and you're having a drink or maybe someone does something, uh, smokes some marijuana once a month or on the weekend or something, these people are in prison to this drug. They're in prison. And I always try to explain to people what drug addiction is like, and it's very simple. If I put my hands around your neck and I took away your next breath, that's what it feels like when you're addicted to drugs. If you couldn't gasp your next breath, they can't breathe, they can't talk, they can't walk without it. And it will take an act of God or the children of God, us to step in to save them, to help them. And by saving and helping them, it's not a simple process. You're going to get beat down, you get run over, they're going to, as much as you help them, they're going to go right back to drugs. And it might take years, it might not be a year from now, it might be 10 years from now, but it's well worth it that we follow the Lord and forgive forgive love yeah this is not a job for you it's not something you you work from nine to five um but you also have another life and you have responsibilities in those in those in that life you're a you're a husband yes and you're a father um how do you balance i don't really i pray a lot and uh, I try to mop the house at three or four in the morning when I get home because it's been three weeks since I mopped the house or vacuum or whatever it might be. Uh, our garage looks like chaos, of course, because be, everywhere becomes a storage facility. All my relatives, their house is also a storage facility. We just, we cut down costs any which way we can so that we can take every dollar and do what we need to do for the people. But the family life, my kids, um, when I had that dark, gloomy moments for those years, it was as if I didn't know my kids. Mm-hmm. I di- they didn't know me. You couldn't. You could have asked me what what school they're at, and I probably wouldn't know, have known. That's how far off the map I was at the time. But uh, the Lord has brought us all back together. Thank God that they're very independent. It's like He's watching over them from the time that I'm I'm not there. Um, that He's been guiding them. Um, I know it says in Scripture that you have one Father. That that's the Father in heaven. You know, um, just as their father here on earth, but he's got me doing something else. So um, I know that he's looking after him. If somebody wants to to help you or your ministry, uh, how, how are they able to do that? You know, we, uh, Archbishop, we've never uh, we never asked for help. The Lord has always just sent people the right the right people to us. And you know, for instance, he asked about how we fund things. Um, our gas uh, expenses, like our fuel for our vehicles runs like forty thousand dollars a year right um our rent at the church there was roughly 600 bucks a month which was heavily discounted you know at the the net church where we where we rented um and we bond through eight donated vehicles we destroy all of them because we pack them down with produce and you know the vehicle only takes uh, i don't know a thousand pounds we might pack in two thousand pounds so transmissions go out tires go out um, so the Lord's always provided. So we, um, we hope that, uh, by being here with, with, uh, you today that, um, uh, people f- see it in their hearts of, of what we all need to do as individuals. It's, it's, it's not gonna, we're not going to fix the homeless problem, the poverty problem, um, all these different issues we have by thinking we can go out and fix it because they've been throwing, especially with money. They've been throwing billions and billions and billions of dollars at this problem, and it's never been fixed. It's us as individuals, through the light of Christ, caring about that one individual, just like what you said, Father, about uh, Matthew 25. Um, you know, what we did not do for these least brother, brothers of mine, you did not do for me. And we don't have to every, do everything on a large scale. 
of each of us as individuals in the Catholic Church, in the Baptist Church, in the Lutheran Church, every people of every race on this planet did this. We just cared about that man or that woman who was suffering. And it's not always the people on the streets. People living in homes are suffering. They're, they're living in their own misery. They might be living in their homes, and that man you just drove by in your neighborhood, he's ready to kill himself. He just lost his business. He just lost his job. Sometimes it just takes that sincere love, right? That's why in my neighborhood, when I first moved in that neighborhood, nobody would ever wave at you. We wave at everybody. And they don't wave us. We keep waving at them. Every day we wave them. And now they all wave. And it's just a little something, but we should all do this. And I always tell people, you go out to dinner. I don't ever go out to dinner, but maybe once a year when my wife makes me. But when you, when you go out to dinner, you just... Cut that portion in half. Ask them to put it in the go box before when you order your meal. And on the way home, that guy you saw there staying on the street corner or at the gas station, give him, give him that meal. If we all just did that one simple thing, the whole world would change yeah. overnight. Jesus said, the, the poor will always be with you. And that wasn't in any way to, to write off our, our duty to care for them. In, in Scripture, I think it references, you can correct me, Archbishop, Father, more than 2,000 times the Scripture talks about poverty, feeding the poor. Uh, it talks about do not worry, do not fear 600 times in Scripture. But how much worry do we have? How much fear do we have? And how much are we living out this gospel of helping the poor? I know that, uh, I, and I, I say that because uh, I thank God for everything that everybody's doing. There's so many organizations out there doing good. But I really feel the solution is that it's just like the Lord said, love your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And if you do that, he will come to you. You will meet him. And once you meet him, the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and your life will be changed. You can never be the same. If the Holy Spirit touches you, you cannot be the same. It's not something that you'll miss. Amen. And that is a, gr that is a great thought to, to leave our audience on today and for all of us to keep in our hearts as we go forward today. Um, your story in many ways reminds me of um, Mother Teresa. And just kind of her, her wild abandonment to providing for basic needs as best as she could and showing people their love and dignity. And a story I recall just so quickly was that when she came to the United States, she recognized, yes, there is poverty here, but it's a different kind of poverty than what she had seen even in the slums of India. Something she described as a worse kind of poverty, of a poverty of isolation and neglect and indifference. And she's like, that's, that's worse than material poverty. And... So as she was setting up her, her soup kitchens and her homes here, that was one of the things she wanted to address. She said, you know, this isolation is one of the easiest things we can address because it just begins with smiling and loving the person right in front of you. And so there's so much, so much grace and wisdom there. Henry, we've, we've come to the, the end of our, our time together today on Peace and All Good with Archbishop Hartmeyer. And we're certainly grateful for you sharing your story, sharing what you're doing, how you do it, and why you do it. And we pray that the, uh, the Lord gives you every grace and blessing uh, to find great strength in what you do, to continue doing his work, proclaiming the gospel with your hands and with your heart. Archbishop, would you close us today with a sure. final blessing? Thank you, Henry, once again for telling your story and for sharing uh, all of the things that have occurred in your life uh, as you encountered Christ personally. And you're a testament to the reality that one person can make a difference. Thank you, Archbishop. Thank you, Father. It's a blessing and honor to be here today with you guys. And so we pray that Almighty God continue to shower upon us his blessings, but also an awareness of what we can do to help others, as you have asked us to do in your, in your word, 
and by the life of your son to do what needs to be done, to do it for your glory and honor, and uh, to continue to assist us with the faith strong enough to continue to face the challenges we do. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This has been Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, brought to you in part by the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia. Thanks for listening to AM 1160, The Quest. 